0: Welcome to the opportunity for a personal spiritual growth experience with the Sue Curran Podcast, a podcast all about leading you into understanding the ways and heart of God. Pastor Sue shares from her decades of experience as a founding pastor, author, teacher, and world missionary. The goal is that you receive practical spiritual insights that you can apply to your life at home, church, and place of business. And now, your host, Dr. Sue Curran.
1: Welcome back to the Sue Curran Podcast. Today you are going to hear the second part of my conversation with our special guest. Now you don't want to miss the first part of our conversation so if you haven't listened to it please pause the episode and go back now. And now part two of my conversation with our special guest.
0: Um, I'm finding now that Uh, quite frankly, in most places you look, you've got people that truly love Jesus. And a lot of those people are hungry for more Jesus, more truth, um, more kingdom purpose. And they're listening um, and and they're receptive. And I, I think even that taking place out there is kind of Ready kindling is an added piece of evidence that more revival and awakening may be something we're on the cusp of today. I ran into people in Rogersville doing a conference on this book, um, and some were charismatic background, some were Methodist and mainline, some were Baptist, and they, you know, they were all wonderfully receptive, and so. It's an exciting time when it happens. Then it's an exciting time when it happens now.
1: Well, it is, Doug, and um, and you're certainly validating some of the things I was saying. It's more of a characteristic of the Methodist Church as I have known it um, that they they will open my I mean, the the first Great Awakening was marvelous and and. And those that uh, followed it, um, <clears throat> you know, I've read about uh, General Booth, who who was really a direct product of the Salvation Army. Yes, ma'am. He was, he was a direct uh, product of the Methodist Church, and uh, and there were there were many. I've always found in the Methodist Church too. There's some there's some people who don't ever want to leave. Um, the old truths they don't want to leave those behind which is great i know i know they've got some very hard decisions facing them right now yes ma'am but but you know i i think that do you do much speaking now in
0: denominational churches i'm reaching out i'm actually going to do a conference at a baptist church in gate city here in about a week um Because, again, I think in some places more receptive than other places. And sometimes that's the lay leadership, so-called, and sometimes it's the pastors. But uh, I, I believe, like you, that there's a receptivity that's at the foundation of the Methodist church. I frankly think that when they finally get through this split that they're going through, that it's yeah. going to be healthy. You're going to be able to, it to be. Of, I don't want to be mean, but you're going to be kind of separating wheat from chaff in terms of the perspective about Jesus, the Holy spirit in the Bible. And I think some wonderful things may end up coming out.
1: Well, I, I think it has to happen eventually, uh, Doug, you know, if it was small things, some little doctrinal thing, they were, quibbling over it would be one thing but the the magnitude of the subjects that uh, they're having a row about now they really are life and death matters and uh in fact you know one or two of those things the scripture clearly says if you do any of these things you will not inherit the kingdom of god so you can't just act as if that's a small thing uh you've got to You've got to put an end to that and decide which side you're on. There's a a time that we have to make a choice, isn't there?
0: Yes, ma'am, and I think even underneath that is the reality is somewhere along the line. We have to choose, are we gonna let God tell us what's right and wrong through scripture? Mm -hmm. Are we gonna let reason and intellect and political correctness uh, teach us? And and, uh, obviously, you've got to choose scripture, God's right to tell us what's right and wrong and good and bad because otherwise we're making it up.
1: Right, true. (laughs) But uh, you know, some people are, uh, they're just as happy to have it that way (laughs) as long as they can have uh, what they're comfortable with. But other people are very serious uh, about finding what's right and uh, <clears throat> by um, y- then, yielding themselves to what it is that God really wants. Uh, recently, I have been studying. I've been I've been studying revivals in uh, Wales, and uh, there's a particular one uh, where the man. Um, he knew Evan Roberts, who was a yeah. man who was, yeah, who was in charge of it. And, and he talked about the, the day he spent the whole day with him and what kind of person he was. And so I've been studying the kinds of things God taught him about the Holy Spirit and, and revival and those things. But do you know when Evan Roberts, when that revival began, we all know that one third of that nation was ultimately came to the Lord. One third that would that would be a uh, hundred thousand. But that that is so unthinkable. What if one third of America would turn to the Lord? How would we be turned upside down?
0: Hundred million people. that would rock everything.
1: I'd <laughs> say we'd finally get into some <laughs> rocking worth having. <laughs> but you know that. it it was as simple as the beginning of that revival was as simple as Evan Roberts himself getting under conviction. Well, you know, really Doug, he he came up with a funny statement. His, uh, his statement to God as he prayed was um, how, how the church has failed, how the church has failed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, now, wait a minute. I've never, I've never believed that. I've, I believe I'm the one who fails, and, and we all fail in the church. But what he meant by that, the church staying glued together, doing what it's supposed to do has failed. And I understood it. And so he began to seek God about that. And um, he began to have an experience with God every night, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, where he really met with God and God empowered him in a very special way. And then he, w- when he would go out and speak, people would come under conviction. And it, w- it was mainly about conviction
0: and repentance. That's what that revival was. Yes, ma'am. It, uh, I, I believe that uh, the, the Welsh, Welsh revival was so similar to a degree to the first great awakening where Conviction of sin and repentance and turn back to the Lord and submission and humility were so important. And then on the heels, conviction of righteousness and the desire to live not wholly in the sense of religious, but wholly in the sense of righteous and good and loving and humble and, and selfless. And uh, John 16 for me uh, um, is uh, right at the very heart of what God tells us revival will look like the ministry of the holy spirit is conviction of sin what we've been talking about followed by conviction of righteousness living for god and then conviction of judgment which is the judgment of satan the ruler of this world by proving the power of good over evil when it's rightly applied through godly people Um, so I, I think Wells is just a great model, and I, I'm so excited just to hear you talking about a third of a population of a nation coming to the Lord, because if it can do it for a small nation, they can do it for a large nation. God is able. That's
1: true, Doug, and, and, and you know, it was a small nation, but the people were, were very sincere and uh when he he would talk about the spirit moving I, i paid special attention to how they describe things and it sounds sounds like they would actually sing something like free praise which we often sing nowadays we might just sing things like i love you lord i thank you i praise you and he said it was just as if uh song somehow found wings and and just drifted around through the congregation mm. so there must have been some really tremendous uh, spiritual experiences and you know they uh, they also said uh this man that i was reading after he said they he very much believed that healing was given of god and uh, they didn't. They hadn't had the exposure to the gifts and the healing gifts and all, like we have. But yet, he was very convinced that it was true, and so they went with all that they had. They uh, they did their very best with it, uh, and they said that each each night uh, the um, sanctuary would be full, and some sometimes. He said sometimes the services went all night long, <laughs> and uh, and it was not uh, unusual for them to go five or six hours long, and sometimes Evan Roberts didn't even show up and nobody cared. They just <laughs> they just gave their testimonies and enjoyed God and I, you know that that's
0: a tremendous thing, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. I we talk a lot about trying to attract people. I, I I saw a book one time, probably more than one, that said what we really want to do is attract the presence of God, and then let Him attract people. Evan oh. Roberts is great to have, but if you got God <laughs> manifesting, that's really <laughs> true. Ready to work through
1: anybody, and he's going and he's going to manifest. Um, when we start giving ourselves in prayer and repentance to the point where we show him, we want him. I think that's the kind of people that he will come to and and he'll continue uh, with us. There, there are certain ways that he's provided uh, that we can have his presence. You know, the first revival that I was ever involved in with Doug uh, was the one that I mentioned um, not too long after I was born again. And really out of that revival, uh, then Shekinah was born, um, 70, around 73. Um, and then we had another, another sovereign type revival in 1980 here at Shekinah. And from that point, um, I went to places like New Zealand and Germany, some of these places. When I say Holy Ghost revival, what I mean is not where people get excited about the gifts and not, not where there's uh, animation and, and all that, but where you know that God himself is really moving. That's a Holy Ghost revival and where there's real repentance and real change in people's lives. And so um, I have seen that happen in a number of places. And I know that God wants to do um, that kind of things. And and, and I believe that he's going to to let us both teach and experience um, some of the things, some of the ways that we can prepare uh, for the Holy Spirit to be there. You know, some people... uh, some, some people are a little bit too busy for revival. It, it would never end soon enough for them. And, <laughs> uh, you know, if they tell the truth, they really are not ready to give the church back to Jesus yet. Oof. But He wants the church back. And that's how that's how he's going to come in revival when he says, OK, if you're ready to let me do it my way and that doesn't mean to just do things in some radicalized way it means by the order of the holy spirit doing beautiful things but it means
0: doing it his way well, i think you know you're saying something so important first you you bring out the great truth that we pray we get hunger but it's also important to be given both testimonies and teachings out of the word, here's what's available. Here's where God's heart is. It will only follow. But then you add the fact that we want God to be in control. He's Jesus is the only head of His church, and yep. unfortunately, it's the it's the um, attitude of man to want to have kingdom of men rather than kingdom of God, and to be in control. Yes. And and again, you don't have chaos when you give control to God you give God control and he leads it as it needs to be led. Um, And that's what you're describing, having experienced both in Blountville at Shekinah and then in your ministries around the world. That's that's an incredible testimony. And I say, do it again, God, do it again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, Doug, I don't believe It, it is, the things of God are mysterious. But I don't believe it's really a mystery how God will come to us. Um, I believe he does tell us in his word, and you've mentioned, and I noticed that you use John 14, 15, 16 in your book. Yes, ma'am. I do believe that those that tell us how to come into revival uh, chapters Um, because they'll they'll show us the um, place of the Holy Spirit in that. And you know um, if, if we will let the Holy Spirit be who He is again, as he used to be, um, then then I believe that we could have start having revivals again as we used to know. Um, but, but a lot of pastors are afraid of the Holy Spirit they'. They're afraid that uh, he might do something terribly shocking or whatever. You know, he might do something unusual, but honestly, I don't find the Holy Spirit doing just, I'm just saying my opinion. I don't find him doing weird things. I do find him doing things where he gets to be in charge. And, um, and, you know, in that, Doug, there was a, there was a revival too. I don't know if you and your church were involved in that, uh, where um, people like uh, John Kilpatrick were involved in that. Brownsville. Yeah, down in Brownsville, and uh, I went down there, and um, and John Kilpatrick is such a, he's uh, just such a warm, open person. And he just invited me to just walk around with um, with the man that was leading the revival. What is it? What was his name? Do you remember? Oh, he's
0: passed away now. I, I yeah. I'm going to have the the same memory struggle you are. But um, <laughs> what is it? But anybody... Steve Hill.
1: Steve Hill. I heard a voice behind me because somebody's in the room and just told me. Uh, steve hill was the name of the evangelist doug and um and god did do the holy spirit did do unusual things and i saw some of those things uh he did it because it was revival and because he decided to do it now and just so that people can hear what we're saying there's this thing called flesh and some people let their flesh get all excited and worked up. And that's not God.
0: No, but but when God is shaking things up and stirring things up, some great things will come to the surface and then some not so good things will come to the surface as well, but God will help us discern which ones are which. Well, there you
1: go. And so we don't have to be afraid of it. Uh, Then we, we know, um, you know, what we can expect of God, but we did uh, in that, in that particular uh, revival, that was in the early nineties for us. So through, through the years, the Lord has been faithful to us, but in the early uh, nineties, when, when that happened, I I had an experience like um, I would walk across the platform and I'd feel like each time my foot was being plugged into a light socket. You know? <clears throat> it, was, it was amazing. And then, you know, you'd, you'd pray for people and, and long, for a long period of time, people would just fall and uh, unusual things. And then uh, supernatural things would happen to them while they were lying on the floor. Really, they'd be delivered of things or they'd be healed. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a very beautiful thing uh, to happen. You know, we're so afraid for anything like that to happen. Well, recently, Doug, I went and had an MRI, right? And uh, I thought it was kind of scary looking back into that thing. And I thought, well, people aren't afraid to get shut up in one of these, (laughs) but they're afraid of an unusual little thing that happens in church where they'll get healed, you know? So I think it's just what we get used to, accustomed to, but I do think that revivals have to be pastored. And if they're not, they can go off just any direction. you know. And,
0: and not only pastored in the sense of, of stewardship, servant leadership during them, um, but I remember when John Kilpatrick came to Shekinah, because he brought so many great people to Shekinah to talk. Um, and he would talk about how he developed this atmosphere at Brownsville It was really, you know, God crafted an atmosphere that would be receptive for the revival that broke out with Steve Hill through the pastoring of John Kilpatrick for years preceding it. And, uh, and then you continued even in the aftermath of some of these powerful electric times that you've described at Shekinah to keep bringing these teachers and speakers in, the Bill Johnsons and the Randy Clarks and the yeah. Heidi Bakers and the John Kilpatricks, et cetera, um, so that atmosphere could be re-stimulated and hopes could be rekindled and hunger rekindled. And that's all part of it too. That's all part of it is. trying to stir people's interest and in their hopes and their hungers up for the more because God's ready to provide the more. He's really looking for receptivity on our part.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, I don't know if you have read a book by Roland Baker's grandfather where he tells about little street orphans that they brought into their home. And God gave them revival. Did
0: you ever read that book? I, I, I haven't. I've, I've read things that Heidi and Roland wrote together. Got an yeah. awesome ministry. And, and it doesn't surprise to me that there'd be that cross-generational experience. But
1: Yeah. Well, they, uh, they made several trips to heaven, these little children. Mm. <laughs> and And they tell about that. Visions Beyond the Veil is the name of the book. Mm. If Casey Manny wants to get one. And his name is H.A. Baker. And um, now I would not have thought that something like that would ever happen. I just didn't think it. But do you know what, Doug? When I was in, during this, I call this last revival I shared with you about the river movement. That's what we call it here. And we sang that song, the river," and danced and it was it was so wonderful. Um, but when uh, when that was happening, uh, the way God was moving was so beautiful. and I was at Blue Mountain, Pennsylvania ministering, and uh, little children and teenagers especially wanted to be prayed for that night. <laughs> and so, I still have videotapes, I should get them out of these children giving their testimony. I, I prayed for a number of them. Now I remind you that this uh, electric foot <laughs> sensation was still going on. and as I prayed for these uh, children, so, some of them gave the testimony. they went to heaven. Oh my! And I was just really shocked. Mm-hmm. I was so glad that I, <clears throat> we got it on the videotape. Some would say, uh, I prayed for this one teenager. i tell you this story. It's so so exciting. And um, because I had prayed prayed for her that night, and then I didn't see her anymore. And so that morning, they asked me if I would come again. And so she was one of the people in line. I finally found her in the next line, you know. And uh, and so I said, I don't, I don't know if I want to pray for you or not. Where did you go last night? This is an amazing thing. She said, I went to heaven. Mm. And I found out that this little girl, I think she was 15, uh, her mother was a witch and uh, her father was in some sort of crime thing. And uh, someone had paid her way to come to the camp at the last minute uh, so she could come and she gave her heart to Jesus. And then he just instantly visited her in such a way. And so, you know, if we, when we woo his presence back by worshiping him and loving him, then I think we can expect unusual things to happen. And I'd like to see people I don't like to see anything at all drummed up. I I find that really disgusting. But I do like to see people make themselves available uh, so that these things can happen. And then when they happen, you know, let the people share the wonderful things that God is doing because that's what happened at Azusa Street, you know. Yes, ma'am. And the people, I mean... They went out from Azusa Street telling their stories, and that's what brought so many people back. When it started out, it, it wasn't all that big. There wasn't so many people. It might have been not more than a couple of hundred, really. And um, if you really uh, study it about that, these revivals are wonderful. I, I read, I uh, noticed in your book, Doug, and I really appreciate it, where you suggested that you thought it was gonna be more like uh, five great awakenings and one still to come. And I think the one at Azusa Street could be a great awakening, because really, uh, in a sense, I believe it fostered the 1948 revival, much of the Pentecostal revival, even the charismatic.
0: I do too, I think there were multiple surges that occurred in the face of a lot of rejection by so much of the institutional church. But God, by this time, having revealed so much through the first, the Reformation and the First Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening, I think he was insistent and relentless in wanting to establish the reality of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power uh, that can be manifested in the kingdom of God on earth through people that are truly submitted to entrusting in the King, Jesus Christ. And and I think you're absolutely right. I, my belief is that the awakening that is coming will embrace the lessons learned in all the awakenings of the past. Oh, wouldn't it and be it wonderful. Will grab hold of conviction of sin and conviction of righteousness and conviction of justice, of judgment and the essential fundamental law of agape love that every Christian must live in. And um, I believe that that's what's going to happen and that there are gonna be good stewards, people that have ministered as you have over the years and people that you've trained and taught and others that are gonna be there to help pastor and steward the one that's coming. And that's going to touch so many people that are going to say, what in the world is
1: this? (laughs) And, and you know, uh, Doug, uh, revival is just like any other move of God. Uh, People will dumb it down and then call that revival, you know, and um, they have a sign. And I, I don't mind people doing this. I feel fine about it but I'm just saying that they'll have a sign on the church marquee that says revival April 3rd through the 5th. Okay, well, I understand what they mean. They're going to have meetings. They trust that people are going to be revived. But revival, as we understand it through the scripture and through the history, is when a people saturated with God. Let's put it that way. Yes, ma'am. And, and it affects everybody. And people in their homes start repenting of their sins. Uh, and and it, it will give you a completely different life uh, from what you have known before. And I don't think anything's ever going to really change our culture except revival. Absolutely. Because we, we've gotten so far gone into satanic things uh, into uh, things that are uh, selfish, they're uh, demonic and uh, idolatrous. Uh, but God can pull us out of this uh, just just like he did through the years and like he has done before. I believe he's always willing uh, for us to have revival. And uh, I think he's always <clears throat> giving us opportunities um the thing is will we be open for that? I, I just tell people who are trying to <laughs> get people to have revival that don't want it. I say, you know, I, I think you do better to just put your time in where people are hungry. <laughs> you know, that's where you, you mentioned the man in Gate City. Now he's he's gonna have you over to to speak out about your book on revival and it's it's going to be instructive to the people that hear it, um, giving uh, the way that God works. You, and, and also, uh, not only will they get better understanding of it, they'll know better what kind of things they can do to get in line for revival. I, I just happened to hear that you were going to do that. And um, I believe that the pastor there I used to be in a minister's fellowship that I that I once had because he was from up in Virginia at the time, and uh, very sincere man. So uh, people who want revival, who experience it, you know, they don't ever give it up. We I had one Methodist pastor that um, when we had a revival, I think it was in 1980. It could have been the one later in 94. Uh, But a teenager came to me and said, our pastor told us to find out what you have down here and to bring it home with us. (laughs) And he had somehow heard what God was doing. And I said, what's your pastor's name? And he told me. And I remembered that I had, uh, I think I'd done a lay witness mission or something, Doug, a Methodist lay witness mission up there and met that man. And uh, and then after that he started telling me how you know how hungry he was for God and and he wasn't going to let Jesus go until he came that way in his church he he had a he had a man there that uh, was an alcoholic and he said I just feel like if you'll go see him it, it will help him and so I agreed to do that and. And the man um, just was—he he just buried his head in my shoulder and just just cried, you know, and uh, and gave his heart to the Lord. Mm. This, but this man, this pastor, was hungry to see souls one. and I and I ran into uh, several pastors up in that area of uh, southwest West Virginia. It was a flame that got started from that one church I told you about. And it didn't quit for quite a while. And uh, and, that's what, and that's the thing that revivals do. Uh, if, if you have, if you, Dr. Uh, not, not doctor, but John Kilpatrick and I agree on this, that if, if you've got the right kind of fire on your torch, you can just take it one place to another and
0: start a fire. Uh, that's a good term that, that's a good phrase
1: yeah i believe that i think it has to be a true holy ghost fire mm. but if if it's a real one like i could go to your church and you could come to to my church if either one of us were in revival it'd be hard not to get that revival through us and that's really that's how that's how god works and he uses people that love him that he knows will carry the thing on you know so well i won't i won't get into telling stories today because i wanted us to get um i really wanted us to share some of these concepts and a couple three of mine uh with our listeners today that we can help them take another step uh toward revival and uh i pray that uh, that that it's going to become more and more, uh, people are going to become more and more intense about um, true Holy Ghost revival and having it in all their churches and then sharing it with each other and eventually we'll build a fire that can be seen. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. Everywhere. (laughs) Doug, I I just want to thank you so much for uh, coming to be my guest today. And I trust that everything will go well with you in your meeting. Now, let's tell the folks where that is. There may be people listening to this that'd like to go.
0: Yeah, the next one's scheduled. It's at First Baptist Church of Gate City. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's going to be Sunday through Tuesday, July 18 through July 20, beginning at 630. They're actually going to have me preach on Sunday morning. Uh, as well, but that won't be part of the conference. It's going to right. be uh, an opportunity for me to kind of stir up excitement among the congregation about coming to the conference, but uh, thank you. Will, I, uh, will
1: you will you preach on Sunday night, too?
0: Well, the Sunday night will start the conference, per se. That'll be the first oh, oh, night, and then Monday night and Tuesday, and, um, and I've, I've had two other churches that have talked to me about doing it, but we haven't got dates set there, so it's premature, but You know, I'm excited. It's my passion for this season.
1: Well, yeah. And I and I think um, is there a short title for your book? What do you what do you call it?
0: I just think Be with Jesus, be like Jesus, be for Jesus. I I love the motto because we want all three. We want intimacy with the Lord. We want to become more and more restored to the true image and likeness of God and become Christ-like. And we want to let our lifestyle be a service to the Lord and his kingdom. That's great. Uh, well, so
1: I wanted people to know, did, now, do you get this from Amazon? Where should one?
0: You can. Uh, with it, right now it's out in softback, hardback, and ebook, Amazon, as well as the publisher, Westbow Press. Oh, beautiful. And it's coming out in an audiobook book uh, in the next month. Uh, that's already been approved. It's just, uh, I, I, I have some... Thing at their end uh, before it get in the catalogs, and I'm actually um, uh, contracted to get it translated into uh, Spanish, um, but that hasn't been completed yet.
1: Well, I like that, and because the book is not, it's not so complicated that people will just toss it aside, but it's um, it's simple enough that you can get hold of it and. Uh, and really make use of it. So thank you for writing the book for us. And um, and you have a website, Doug?
0: Do we do, friendsofthekingministries.org. Okay, well, that's simple enough.
1: Well, I want to thank you and also on behalf of our listeners today for uh, coming to, um, to share with us. And I believe that the things that uh, you have experienced and that God has shown you uh, will, will be very helpful to many people uh, getting into revival and getting into prayer that will bring revival. So I pray that God will richly bless you and your ministry. Thanks so much, Doug.
0: Thank you, Pastor Phil you've been listening to the Sue Curran podcast. Join us next time as Dr. Curran shares more insights through interviews and teachings geared to help you grow in your relationship with the true and living God and function in a more productive and powerful way.